One of the great things about this program is the willingness of others to share their knowledge. Communities today, we're sharing information with others who are on the same path, but also kind of the broadband consulting community to share their information and knowledge. And then uh, technology companies do bring that higher level of expertise to the community members. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm the person behind it, I guess, Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. And today I'm back with, uh, with one of my favorite fellow Minnesotans, Bill Coleman. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. I'm going to call you the guy at Community Technology Advisors, uh, a company that you run and you work with communities to help them better understand uh, options and, and broadband type stuff. I've been in business now about 20 years. And uh, came to fame, I think, uh, in working with the Blandon Foundation uh, pretty closely and now working very closely in Illinois with uh, Benton Institute uh, for Broadband and Society and, uh, and, and a variety of other partners in, in Illinois. Is that right? That's correct. And so uh, both uh, Blandon and Benton have been great to work with as they really try and help communities gain the capacity uh, to make uh, good decisions about their broadband future. And I, w- I want people to know that uh, I think of you as if Minnesota, the state, were a person, a human being, I think that person would be you. Like, I think you just embody <laughs> all that's great about Minnesota. <laughs> so and wow. when, you, when you hear Bill Coleman's voice and sense of humor and, uh, and hobbies and whatnot, uh, that is the state of Minnesota, I think. Well, there's... Um... A lot to that. So, <laughs> I uh, I certainly am. You know, I was I spent enough time in Pennsylvania that I think as I get old, I will not have that um, um, the the quality that people who spend a lot of time in Minnesota do get. Of of uh, there's just a certain inflection a way of speaking. But anyway, the show is not about that. Um, we want to talk about a program that you've been doing, which um, is uh, you stole the name from a sports drink, Accelerate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then we want to talk about exactly how that works. So so the Accelerate program uh, is something that I, I think you, you developed and have refined over time. And it really helps communities get up to speed, build coalitions. And it's the sort of thing that we want to see happening all over the United States as this broadband money gets dispersed. So let's start at the beginning. And uh, where did this come from? Everything starts with the pandemic now, of course. So um our team at Blandon Foundation saw, you know, so much of what we had been talking about really coming to fruition over a two-week period. You know, we many, many times over the years, I've said, you're really going to need this broadband someday. It's really going to be making a difference. And we saw so clearly the difference between those communities that had great broadband, those rural areas that had great broadband, uh, and their ability to respond to the pandemic compared to those rural areas that suffer from a lack of broadband. Prior to the pandemic at Blandon Foundation, we had talked about the need to help community leaders prepare more effectively to push broadband infrastructure deployment in their communities. At Blandon, we had always been kind of a 50-50 emphasis, a part on infrastructure deployment and part on adoption and use. And But we saw the needs for broadband coming on so strongly, even in advance of the pandemic, that we wanted to shift a little bit and find a way to help communities focus more intentionally and intensively 
on the infrastructure. So we created kind of a boot camp idea that we were going to bring a half dozen community teams of five to seven, eight people to Grand Rapids, Minnesota, to the foundation for a week and teach them everything they needed to know about broadband deployment. Winter camp. Winter camp. Winter camp. (laughs) Right. And so we had picked our communities and we were about to launch when the pandemic struck. And so, of course, that was that was done as a concept. And and who would have thought two years later, we're still not really meeting in communities in that way. So as an approach, we decided, well, let's break this boot camp into components. And we created a 10 webinar uh, series on the pro- on broadband infrastructure deployment. And um, uh, we launched that and we had webinars every two weeks over a five month period or so. And, and that was a great little product, but we weren't really satisfied with that because we kind of, you put it out there and it's just one more webinar and getting... Mm. You might get one person from a community to participate in those webinars, but not the team dynamic that we were really looking for. These these webinars covered things from the basics of like, what is broadband to some examples of different partnerships and, and things like that. What, what sort of stuff did you cover? Mapping? Yeah. And so uh, community surveys and mm-hmm. uh, broadband mapping, uh, creating a vision and communicating that to your community. Uh, ownership and partnership models, state and federal and local financing powers, um, and uh, uh, feasibility studies, how to do a feasibility study. Mm-hmm. So you you went through these webinars, and and I think there was a sense at that time that these were, uh, you want this to be evergreen content, right? You want it to spur conversations, and part of that dynamic of not being there in person is that you kind of weren't getting that, uh, it wasn't taking root necessarily in the way that I think you you wanted it to. Is that right? Well, not compared to the boot camp concept that we we're going to create these effective teams. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as the pandemic continued, we said, well, let's, how do we make this content come alive again? How do we reuse it? And we decided that we would create these teams and we worked with four communities at a time, usually a county. In our first cohort, we also had a tribal government. And we asked them to form teams of at least eight people. We asked them to commit to uh, watching an archive video every week of a webinar and to meet for two hours every Friday morning uh, for 14 weeks. Uh, Every week they watch one of the videos. They come together on Friday morning and for an hour we reinforce and provide additional information on the topic of the week, feasibility studies or community surveys. And uh, then we give them a second hour is really their community team meeting where they uh, decide how they're going to implement the survey, uh, how are they going to interview broadband providers, and really work through their task force meetings. You know, many broadband committees, they meet, you know, every month or something. Well, 14 meetings is a year and a half, you know, and uh, we wanted to push communities through this, thus the accelerate a label that in a three and a half or four month period that these communities would really have a team, a vision, the necessary data, have interviewed their provider partners, uh, perspective and existing providers, and really come to some decisions about what kind of network is going to be good enough for their community, 
what kind of provider partner is most uh, suitable for them to meet their vision and their community culture and be a long-term partner, and then be able to pursue the funding opportunities that, uh, you know, when we started this program, we had no idea of all these dollars that were coming down uh, the pike. And so, uh, especially now, we just finished up our second group of communities in Minnesota through Blandon Foundation, and we're midway through a, a group of communities now in Illinois. Did you see different results then? I mean, obviously, if you got to a second season of this program in Minnesota, the first season was promising enough to do it again. Um, did you, did the it really take communities? Um, uh, three of the four have already received significant multi-million-dollar broadband grants uh, through uh, Minnesota. Held a uh, use some uh, small cities development grant HUD dollars for broadband, and so our our communities. Uh, uh, two of the four communities were able in a 30-day period to create a private-public partnership with a provider and, and get their data into the uh, state. And I think they totaled about $8 million in, in uh, grants. I feel like that's really perfect for a place like Minnesota, um, Iowa, um, you know, the Dakotas where we have these local providers that it may be harder in states where they're mostly served by a single large national company where they they may have different dynamics. And although I'm sure that the training would still be really useful, but I feel like, you know, the sort of the number of independents we have really lends itself to communities being able to reach out and have this knowledge. Minnesota is very lucky in that, that although Illinois has a fair number as well. And yes. So, uh, that's a place where you can make things happen. I could also see, and we're talking with one state about doing this in partnership with the electric co-ops so that instead of working at a geography of the county, we would work with cooperatives as a company in their geography, whatever mm -hmm. that was, that they could lead with a community team and really build a plan where the community could support the co-ops deployment plans or even oh, that would be twice to, uh, to deploy. Right. That would be wonderful. Community leaders are now expected to be broadband experts. And um, uh, this program really helps them to go through you know, the learning and the information gathering, but then those policy choices that uh, can result in a satisfying result. I think this program really does that in a great way. Now, you've been working in this field for a long time, and so you have a lot of answers, experiences to draw upon. Um, uh, I'm curious, how often do you just sit back and let them work out challenges amongst themselves as, as these groups are figuring things out? I try and have that to be my operating mode, that I'm, I'm ready to jump in. And that's as uh, communities meet in their uh, hour-long sessions every week, those are locally led. This is really a directed self-help community broadband planning program. It's not the here's a plan delivered to you. They're doing the hard work. And we even had, you know, yesterday in uh, Illinois, we we're discussing community vision. And somebody said, well, don't you just have one we can adopt? And, <laughs> and in a vision, and I guess I'm coming around maybe late to the power of this, but we've seen it, the phrases in that vision matter. And so as you think about those policy choices, um, uh, that really dri drives decision-making down the road. When you say we want a community-oriented provider, what does that mean? 
you know, and people could say, well, we want someone who's there in the community. We want an office in our community. We want somebody to be on our economic development board. We want somebody that when we call them, they come and fix our stuff. They don't, you know, say we'll be there next Thursday. And so, or, you know, when you talk about affordability, what does that really mean? Or future proof when it's real easy to put those words into a, you know, say, oh, that's a great vision community A had over here. Let's just use that without really doing the work and the consensus building required for that. One place where I can imagine there's a lot of differences is uh, areas that have a lot of second homes and, and cabins and things like that that are not occupied year round. And so I can imagine that being an issue where you have to figure out like, you know, who's going to pay to get those areas connected? Is it worth it? And you can imagine different areas coming to greatly different conclusions. You know, since the pandemic, people now see those secondary homes, they want to turn them into primary homes. And so I think that is a real opportunity that communities see for economic development is that instead of having somebody there for 90 days during the summertime, people can be there for 180 days of the year or, or even longer. And so I, I think that, uh, but people do have those choices and, and uh, the ramifications just today working with the, uh, our um, communities in Minnesota here did their presentation. So the final you know, ceremony is they do their, here's our plan that we're gonna to present to the city council or county board. And then we have people do a, a, a critiques of those. But even then people are still trying to decide, well, what about from the road to the house? Who pays for that? And the policy choice is there. You know, it certainly lowers the total project cost if you don't pay for that last 100 feet or 1,000 feet or whatever that is. But if it's 1,000 feet, you've just cut your take rate in half because most people don't want to say, well, I've got 5,000 just sitting there waiting to, to pay someone to do that. And certainly doing them one by one is a, a more expensive process than doing everything at once. So we had a good discussion even today of say, go through their plans. We recognize that this is an iterative process that people have certain goals up front. Those plans hit reality. We need to change something. We need a different strategy. We need greater commitment of the community to have that uh, vision be accomplished. Now, Blandin makes uh, you available. Uh, what else do they do to help these communities to get on their feet? The foundation has a ton of content online, and they really manage that at, at, at broadband.blandinfoundation.org. In addition to this Accelerate program, there's availability of uh, uh, just my technical assistance through what we call Community Broadband Resources, a simple online form to complete, and I can show up and do a broadband 101 presentation and a community meeting kind of task force setting up up to about 30 hours of technical assistance. And then they uh, get kind of a changing set of, uh, of funding options that uh, for planning and so on, that's kind of in flux right now. So I uh, have to kind of keep an eye on the foundation for announcements on that. Okay. And I'm curious how the program is different in Illinois. Are there changes you've made? Uh, um, you know, the things go a little bit differently or is it uh, pretty similar? We've adopted the same uh, framework for Accelerate in Illinois, although we do bring in Illinois examples. So 
communities are in Illinois are watching the Blandon webinar series, which is mm -hmm. very Minnesota centric. Uh, but when it comes to the weekly meetings, we try and bring in the talent and stories from Illinois. Although yesterday we uh, brought in some folks from uh, Aiken and the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe to talk about their efforts and accelerate and their successes and their vision, you know, the, what their vision was. And it's interesting, both of those communities, they each had three different versions of their uh, vision that they created, one, two, and three, just as they learned you know, the things and had their discussions about policy and priority, their vision statements were molded to uh, to reflect that. And so, but we try and uh, uh, localize these uh, sessions as much as we can. It's worked well. We've done four at a time here in Minnesota. And, uh, in Illinois, we're working with six communities now. And so that uh, hasn't been a hindrance to try and do this at scale. It's been very positive. I understand that some of them are sending a lot of folks too. Yeah, we have teams of up to 15 people, I think. And uh, so the Zoom room, you know, it's, uh, I think we have about 70 people on the calls on every, in this case, every Thursday morning at 8.30. Do you, do you see like a predictable set of changes? Like uh, when it starts off, I feel like people are sort of like, what's the answer? And by the end, I think maybe they can they can help someone that comes to them with that question and understand all the different nuances and questions and, and things like that. Um, like what, what other changes do you see? Well, I think the overall knowledge in the room uh, is equalized. You know, when we start, you know, the school IT director, or maybe you have a broadband provider actually on the team. If a community already has a uh, preferred broadband provider partner, they sit in. And so where that person knows, you know, an incredible amount of broadband uh, technology, some citizens just say, hey, I want my computer to work. I want to be, I want, uh, you know, more than three megabits uh, download and one megabit upload. Uh, they, they know the problem. They don't know the solutions. And over that uh, three-month period, uh, people's, uh, uh, the shared knowledge and uh, uh, certainly gets equalized. You know, still have our technicians People are speaking pretty intelligently about the issues and the trade-offs and and the, the preferred path forward. It's uh, it's exciting to see, and then that helps. You know, many of our teams have an elected official or two on their county board uh, members and so on. And so as they get to be more comfortable with the issue, they can really bring that back with confidence to their peers on the county board and really help change. Uh, minds and and help that priority come to the forefront. I think that word confidence is one that I come back to a lot in in some of the work that I do that's somewhat similar and uh and I think it's really wonderful to see and you can't always predict who's going to be developing that and who's going to really you know be enthusiastic and really go out there and do extra homework and things like that. We have a uh, uh in one team in in Illinois, it's the village of Elsa and it's right on the Mississippi River. And they've got a little college there. The college students are like three quarters of the population of the town, <laughs> which is under a thousand people. And so there's 200 people have chosen this little place right on the river. I can't wait to go there. You know, they're just trying to their best people who are working from home or retirees or uh, just community leaders to bring broadband to their little community. And, you know, they do have those, oh, here's how we can solve this or, then you find other possibilities and, you know, it's that whole discussion. 
do we need what's good enough for today? You know, if we each had 25 down and three up, would that be great? Well, certainly compared to what they have now, but they'll be three weeks into 25-3, they'll realize, oh, this isn't good enough already. So coming up with those policy choices, again, about looking to the future, uh, they grow a lot more confident about what their what their objective is for their community. So what's the what's the path for you? I mean, I feel like you could probably do this for another 20 years, but I also feel like you probably want to spend some time on frozen lakes with, uh, with a fishing pole. <laughs> I think about uh, retiring, and uh, uh, but then right now the work is very interesting and exciting and uh, uh, looking to expand uh, this Accelerate concept in other states. Uh, uh, Benton Institute is partnering with Heartland Ford, uh, and Heartland Ford is actually financing the work right now in Illinois. So we really appreciate that. And now there's several other states that are um, where this is under consideration. And it, the beautiful thing from my point of view is the amount of the scale, the ability to help four or six counties at a time with uh, really just not that many hours per week of, uh, uh, of drive, you know, especially if you had to just drive around to those that would take, you know, three days to be able to do that and hold these two hour meetings. And the use of the technology tools like Zoom have really facilitated this uh, where they're working locally, uh, but we're providing the assistance from outside to really help large numbers of communities participate at a given time is, is kind of exciting. Yeah, and that's what, kind of what I was getting at. Like, I think it's, it's interesting how few people can make a difference. Um, I feel like your retiring could set back like many communities in multiple states. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad well, you're not. I don't know to... about that, but you know, and so one of the great things about this program is the willingness of others to share their knowledge. And so both as a as a nice thing, you know, like communities today we're sharing information with others who are on the same path, but also kind of the broadband consulting community has been, um, of course, they see it as marketing opportunity, but uh, to share their information and knowledge and so on. And then uh, technology companies, we've had them on as well to um, uh, bring that higher level of expertise uh, to the community members. And so it's really been uh, the broadband community as a whole has been very supportive of this process and trying to help communities accomplish their goals. Yeah, I guess one of the things that I would wrap up with then is that I feel like you're able to do this in part because the Blandon Foundation has established trust, right, with a lot of the, the local providers. And that wasn't easy. There was some times along the way where some of those providers were a little bit more prickly when it came to uh, Blandon Foundation and its goals. And um, uh, Benton Institute, I think, you know, has has uh, developed some relationships and and it's really important uh, to have those relationships so that if an ISP is welcomed by a community, they feel welcomed and they don't feel like they're embattled or anything that, that they can come in. And uh, I've sat in on a couple of those Accelerate sessions and I'm always impressed that it's not like some young person that's new that got pulled the short straw and the, the, the provider sent them. It's often a top person from the, from the um, ISP. Well, especially when you talk about those community-oriented uh, providers, you know, that are locally owned, locally controlled. That general manager many times is the face or uh, a division head or something is the face of the company and they really want to participate and engage in meaningful conversations. 
Again, today, as we wrapped up in Minnesota with our cohort, there was discussions about very prickly conversations with providers that, you know, the providers are, oh, come on, you know, isn't some good DSL good enough? And the community, because they had their vision, were really able to stand on that and say, no, this is, uh, you know, this is the rock we're standing on and this is what we need. This is what we expect from a community partner. There's a cost to that though, right? Because then if you want mm -hmm. to be, and I think one of the great things about this program is that, you know, if you want a good provider partner, a community has to be ready to be a good partner. And that means what are, you know, what's our vision? What are we willing to bring to the table in a partnership? You can't have one group negotiate with a provider and think it's all set and then have it go to the city council or county board. And they say, well, no, that's all off. You know, after a provider has invested in engineering and marketing studies and legal and all these kind of just their time, right? I mean, the, it takes time to develop these relationships. And we know that there's a lot more communities looking for better broadband than there are community-oriented providers who are interested in coming to the community. And so there's real opportunity cost if a provider spends 10, 20, 40 hours working on a community partnership to have it fall through. And I think that the communities through this program, through Accelerate, are able to uh, have that consensus and uh, have that from top to bottom, this is our vision, this is our role, this is where the money can come from. And uh, then they're prepared to be great partners where it's quick decision-making, uh, reliable, you know, no one's backtracking and... Uh, asking for things after the fact and so on. So it's a, we try and educate them so they can be good partners. Excellent. Well, I think it's really good work. I think it's it's obviously paying dividends and I uh, appreciate you taking time to share some of the magic uh, recipe with us. Thank you so much, Chris. It's fun to talk with you. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadband bits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ilsr.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.